It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, July 29th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Alaska state troopers have confirmed the identities of the two victims of a small plane crash in the Eagle River area on Monday. Deceased are 27-year-old McKenna Vieira of Hawaii and 23-year-old Dakota Bowder of Anchorage. Bowder is a former Sitka resident and a 2016 graduate of Sitka High School. According to state troopers, the Alaska Rescue Coordination Center was notified shortly after 8 p.m. on Monday of an overdue aircraft which had taken off earlier from Merrill Field in Anchorage, en route to the Kanik Glacier and Lake George. The Civil Air Patrol and several Good Samaritan aircraft mounted a search of the area and located the wreckage of the Cessna 172P shortly before 11 p.m. An aircraft was able to land nearby and determined that Vieira and Bowder had not survived the crash. A helicopter from the Alaska Air Mountain Rescue Group was dispatched on Tuesday to recover the victims from the wreckage, which was located in mountainous terrain in the Eagle River Valley. The Cessna is registered to Angel Aviation, a flight school and aircraft rental company in Anchorage. The National Transportation Safety Board has opened an investigation into the cause of the crash. Sitkins may get the chance to weigh in on the sale of the former Sitka Community Hospital building after all. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday, it voted to put a possible sale out to an advisory vote of the public. If the proposal receives final approval at the next Assembly meeting, it will go on the municipal election ballot this fall. Assemblymember Tor Christensen, who sponsored the ordinance with Valerie Nelson, said it was a good move with a sale this large. It just strikes me as you're going to do something that big, sending it to a vote is a good idea. If we put this to a vote, um, if we will have something back uh, uh, as far as the sale by then so people will know what they're voting on, I think it will help assuage some of the discomfort sometimes people have with large sales like this. The Assembly issued a request for proposals in May seeking competitive bids to buy or lease the city-owned property. The period to submit a proposal closes this week. CERT currently leases the building to house its long-term care unit and expressed interest in purchasing the property last fall. The Assembly has already made some effort to gather public feedback on a possible sale. Assemblymember Crystal Duncan noted two town halls held earlier this week along with a survey. I guess my question is, do we feel like that wasn't enough public testimony to weigh in on that sale option? And I guess in a typical sale, would this not be on the ballot before we even go down the road that we did back in the springtime? Are we doing it in reverse order? Assemblymember Rebecca Hemshute also expressed concern about the tight timeline to get the item on the municipal ballot for the October 5 election, and concerns that the full language wouldn't be available on the ballot for voters' consideration. During public comment, Jeff Wright said he was glad the Assembly was considering giving the public a chance to weigh in. I think every single voter in this town has an opinion on it. They are not going to be swayed by... uh, any additional information. Um, I think they're informed. Ultimately, the measure passed 6-1 to one, with Crystal Duncan opposed. It will come before the Assembly again for a second reading on August 10th.
Beginning in August, throughout southeast Alaska, non-resident sport anglers can no longer keep king salmon. And the resident limit in outside waters around Sitka will be reduced from two per day to one. It's the latest change aimed at keeping the region's sport harvest of Chinook within a target allocation of 37,900 fish. The department previously reduced bag limits by emergency order back in June. Fish and Game says the number of people out fishing is lower than average, but catch rates are higher than expected this year. The closure for non-residents also applies to special hatchery areas, but it doesn't apply to Alaskans. Residents, however, will see a change in king salmon bag limits in August as well. On the outer coast around Sitka, residents will be limited to one fish. On the inside waters, including around Petersburg and Wrangell, residents can keep two kings. Beginning August 15th, the resident limit around Ketchikan will also go up to two fish per day. Those inside waters were closed earlier in the season to avoid harvest of kings returning to southeast's river systems. The higher bag limit is meant to make up for some of the reduction later in the season. Over the last four years, from the coast of Mexico to the Gulf of Alaska, a startling change in the ocean habitat is happening. Invisible from land, beneath the waves of the Pacific, kelp forests have been fighting a losing battle. KCAW's Tosh Kimmel caught up with a visiting marine scientist to learn more about the West Coast's dwindling kelp forests and the sea star that may hold the key to their revitalization. On a dreary Wednesday afternoon in the damp, dimly lit basement of the Sitka Sound Science Center, the wheels of discovery are turning, and it's researchers like Sarah Gravem who are turning them. We're looking at a bunch of ways that these predators and these urchins and these kelp interact. But there's some sort of combination of things happening, and that's what we're here to start to unravel. Gravem, a postdoctoral scholar and marine ecologist from Oregon State University, is one of six researchers from Santa Cruz in Oregon conducting studies on struggling kelp forests. So the Santa Cruz lab over the last few years has noticed that big, lush kelp forests full of kelp, full of other critters, fish, abalone, etc., are disappearing and transitioning into urchin barrens, which are more bare rock and a lot of sea urchins just cruising around and grazing all the algae down and preventing other things from using that algae as a place to live or a thing to eat. And in Oregon, we're just now seeing kelp starting to collapse and we're seeing inklings of it here up in Alaska, and we are hoping it's not on its way, right? But that's what we're here to figure out. Like their terrestrial counterparts, kelp forests rely on an intricate web of predators and prey, sea otters, urchins, and starfish. On remote shores, that web remains intact. Closer to town, however, the system has been thrown out of balance, and kelp forests suffer. And one of the reasons we think it might be happening is the decline in the sea stars. We are running some pilot experiments on how the sunflower sea stars, which um, we just listed as critically endangered, so they've been wiped out um, in Oregon, California, most of Washington, and they're here in Sitka. They got wiped out pretty badly, but they're starting to come back a bit. And so these sunflower sea stars are the top predator, and they eat sea urchins, and sea urchins eat kelp. The sunflower sea star an echinoderm known for its excessive size and numerous limbs, has been making a slow recovery in Sitka. 
Graven lifts one out of its mini habitat, a bright orange mass of spiny arms. This is a pretty, um, like a medium-sized one, probably like four or five years old. And we actually had to go all the way across Chatham Strait to get big ones. They're not close to town. Um, and so these ones are medium-sized, and they can get like the size of an extra-large pizza. They can get really, really big. But even as the population rebuilds, years of damage have already been done. So the sea stars were wiped out by sea star wasting disease. Though they're, you know, starting to come back here, they were gone for three, four, five years. Closer to town, nobody's playing the top predator. And the kelp are transitioning. Um, Certainly, warming isn't helping. Um, Kelp don't like warmer water. When the sea stars were the only predator left, and then they died, that's when we saw transitions. Set to a soundtrack of humming water pumps and bubbling seawater, Gravum's research comes alive. But it's not the high-tech science lab you might imagine. A collection of plastic tubs and barrels comprise the control tanks, and data is collected by hand every few hours. It's within these unassuming tubs that our main character, the sea star, sheds light on the world of underwater forests. What we're looking at right now is a bunch of laboratory experiments that we have running, um, looking at, for example, how fast the sunflower sea stars eat urchins and eat snails, and then how fast this urchins and the snails eat kelp. And then over here is when you put them all together, how does the presence of the sea star benefit the kelp, and how does that change urchin behavior? Gravem is looking for the link between sea stars and the health of the kelp in an environment that is difficult to observe. As she explains, humans have long stored in our terrestrial habitat, but have failed to notice subtle changes in the ocean. Losing kelp forests could have potentially devastating implications for coastal communities, but in this dark basement lab, within these buckets and barrels, is a hope for the future. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Tosh Kimmel. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a quick look at the weather for Sitka for today, Thursday, July 29th, 2021. Mostly clear, highs in the upper 60s, northeast winds around 10 miles per hour, shifting to the northwest in the afternoon. Tonight, increasing clouds, lows in the mid-50s, north winds around 10 miles per hour. And tomorrow, mostly cloudy, highs in the upper 60s, northeast winds around 10 miles per hour, shifting to the west in the afternoon. This is 